and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. And I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 5, Episode 18, Intervention. This is a very ironically named episode, do you find, Kara? Because I yeah. <laughs> we've seen I'm just real I'm just realizing now that I could quote an Anna Akana song um, <laughs> that has the same title as this, just like I quoted a Tessa Violet song uh, for Crush. Ooh. Um I, I do enjoy the one-word titles. They're a lot of fun. They are. They are. And I just found it really funny that, like, this is the episode that they call Intervention when we've had much bigger, weightier interventions <laughs> in the past. Um, so, yeah, I was like, this is, but this is the smallest intervention ever. It turns out it didn't even need to happen. It's just a joke. What kind of What kind of intervention do you think is happening here? The intervention of Buffy having sex with Spike, obviously. Well, I mean, we'll get into it, but I just found that really funny. I was like, this this is the intervention? I feel like there's several interventions. Oh, you think there's many throughout There's the many layers to the meaning of this title, yes. Interesting. Okay, so I just... Come with me on a journey, Stephanie, and I will help you understand the meaning of this episode. Be my title. guide through this episode, Kara, <laughs> because I obviously got stuck on the one and never moved on from that. Before I can be your guide... Uh, you have to hop in and out of a circle and shake your cord. Oh my god. I, okay, I always remember that scene just from my pe- previous rewatches. It's so funny. I laughed out loud. I cannot wait till we talk about that scene. Oh, I, I laughed at multiple points in this episode. Yeah. Here's the thing about this episode. This episode is a hot mess in the best Buffy tradition. Yes. I loved this episode because... There are parts of it that are so incredibly problematic. You know, it's thrown me back to like season one Buffy where you and I are just like. Um. Oh, yeah. And then there are parts of this episode that are hilarious and laugh out loud funny and so well acted. And there are parts of this episode that are touching and, and sad and tragic. This episode has, in my opinion, like little bits of all of the elements that make Buffy the series great and it works somehow and it shouldn't because it's a weird and wild episode it this should be another beer bad or where the wild things are or triangles <laughs> um so i really liked this episode no i i enjoyed the episode something i noticed because i read out scene by scene our notes and you know something i noticed was that it's gone back to the scene 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 format the last couple of, couple of episodes have been longer scenes right right so that it also made the episode move and flow pretty well for me even though like you're saying there's choppy bits there's lots of lots of different things happening here oh there's bits there's many bits many types of bits so let's get into this bitty episode buffy giles and dawn have formed a family (laughs) giles is our dad we love him and he's our daddy as well he has made the summer's girls dinner and he's helping buffy do the dishes what a man oh 
Like what makes dinner and does the dishes? God, if only we could all meet men like this. If we're all straights out there, this is the bar. This is what we need. (laughs) So Buffy's saying, you don't have to help because you cooked. And he says, no, he likes doing it. It makes him feel useful. And Don says, well, do you want to clean out the garage on Saturday? You could feel indispensable. And Giles is like, well, how tempting. So nice little rhythm going on here. Buffy tells Don to bring the plates down from her room because they get because if they get furry, they have to start naming them. And apparently this is something that Don did when she was a little girl. And uh, she like scoffs and goes up to get plates from her room. And I was like, yeah, Don, been there, done that. All right. Guilty as charged. I also leave dishes all over the place. <laughs> Does Seb find them and make like little muttering sounds under his breath? Yeah. <laughs> it's like you could just pick them up and bring them downstairs. You don't have to make a comment. I know. I know that I shouldn't have left it here. Uh, yeah, you continue to do so. <laughs> I don't change for anyone. All right. <laughs> No one can change me. I mean, he's he's put up with it so far, well, so... I'm growing the organs and bones of his child, so... <laughs> if I don't want to go Ew. downstairs, I'm not going. <laughs> oh, another example of me dumping on my husband. So, as Don goes upstairs, Giles asks Buffy how she's doing, um, and how Don is doing, and Buffy doesn't say anything to that, and Giles asks, how are you? And Buffy says, I'm okay. Some minutes are harder than others. And ooh, I love that because, again, these women, these girls, they're grieving, right? And she Uh could have said every day is different, right? I think as time goes on, you start feeling that way, right? More time has happened. You've had more time to process. So like, oh, today was a bad day, but tomorrow's a good day kind of thing. Buffy's saying minute by minute, right? So she's still in it. She's still in this this, um, newer stage of grief. And... Giles says it'll get better and Buffy says it has to we're holding up though getting into a routine which is great but then uh, Giles says routines are good I was thinking we might return to our training schedule interesting so Buffy hesitates right and says I don't know I was thinking about maybe taking a break or something and then as they walk to the living room to sit Buffy says you know I thought I'd ease off for a while and not get into the full sleigh mode so what do you think Cara do you think it's a little bit too soon For Buffy to dive back in? I don't think that's what this is about, as we are about to see in this scene, right? I don't think that's really Buffy's concern. Um, That's just her way of trying not to talk (laughs) about the real problem with Giles, but Daddy Giles is too smart for that. I know, I know. I just remember um, the first time I watched this the other day when he says, like, let's start doing this again. A part of me was like, I think Giles was filling out the room and was like, okay, so want to go into routine? Then this is part of the routine. This is what we were doing before all this happened. Uh, so I do think it's time to like at least propose getting back into Oh, that. I agree. Mm-hmm. He, it's, it's a good idea to suggest it. And if Buffy said no, like that's also valid, mm-hmm. you know, and he doesn't have to push her too much. But I, I, at the end of the day, I really don't think that's what this is about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Giles says, well, you were doing so well. And Buffy says... Uh, yeah, you were great in helping with, with, with everything, but I'm just starting to feel uneasy about stuff. Training, slaying, all of it. I can beat up demons until the cows come home, but I'm not sure that I like what it's doing to me. And Giles says, you've mastered so much, strength, resilience alone. And Buffy says, those are all words for hardness. I'm starting to feel like being the slayer is turning me into stone. And Giles starts protesting to this. Buffy says, think about it. I was never there for Riley. Oh. Not that, not like I was there for Angel. I was terrible to Dawn. And Giles says, at a time like that, you're bound to feel emotionally numb. 
And Buffy says, no, before that. Riley left because I was shut down. Now he's gone. Now my mom's gone. And I loved her more than anything. And I don't know if she knew that. <sighs> so I just want to pause here briefly because this actually really made me sad. It made me sad that we're still, <laughs> that, number one, that we're still dealing with this breakup with Riley. Oh, that just made me angry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like sad for her. I'm like, oh, God, this guy really, <laughs> even though Angel came and you made out with him last week. That made me sad, but then also the fact that she said that, that I don't think my mom knew I loved her. And like Giles is going to say it, she knew, she always knew, right? Obviously. But this is something that you feel guilt about, right? After the someone dies, you, you wonder, I could have been nicer, I could have been around more, I could have expressed these emotions to them more often to make them really understand how I feel. Um, I think that's very normal. But also, like, I just want to remind Buffy. Buffy, remember you wanted to blow off Riley so many times just to hang out with your mom? Like, be at the hospital with her, pick out wigs with her, take care of her. Like, she knew. She knew. I, I think really deep down, Buffy's just realizing that she should have completely froze out and cut off her mom and Don so that she could devote all of her energy to being a good girlfriend for Riley. Of course. Right? Like, mm. who, who who needs her the most at this point? Joyce has Don. Right. Right? <laughs> um, Riley has nobody. He has no other friends except his b-ball boys, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Um, you know, he clearly has no family because he didn't go back to Iowa or whatever. <laughs> like, poor Riley was just so alone in this world. And yeah, Buffy, you really dropped the ball by not completely ignoring your terminally ill mother. How dare you? This is why I'm so sad. It's because she feels this way and Riley made her feel this way and Xander and Spike contributed to that and I hate it. So poor Buffy. Buffy says to slay, to kill, it means being hard on the inside. Maybe being the perfect slayer means being too hard to love at all. She would rather have a soft, gooey center. Mmm. Like a cookie dough center, you might say. Uh, she says, I already feel like I can hardly say the words. Giles, I love you. Love, 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 love. It feels strange. <laughs> and Giles says, how serious are you about this? And Buffy says, 10. Serious to the amount of 10. And I'm shot back to... That's pretty serious. I'm shot back to Checkpoint. Remember when Tara was like, five? <laughs> like... <laughs> so 10's a high number. Um, 10, 10 is the, probably the biggest number if, I can think of. Can you think of There's no number bigger than 10. No, I, I've only ever been able, able to count to 10. So <laughs> Giles says, he, Giles just pulls this out of his ass. I'm like, wow, there's something in the Watcher's Diaries, a quest. <laughs> <laughs> Giles goes back later and writes the entry in the Watcher's Diaries. <laughs> he makes it up because what in the world? <laughs> Okay, so Buffy's like like finding the Holy Grail or something, and Giles says answers. <laughs> this is so vague. I love this is what I love the Giles and Buffy stuff in this episode. He says it would take a day, perhaps two, and Don and Buffy says I'm not leaving Don, not with Glory looking for her, and that's when Don comes in. And she's like, sure you can. What's the big deal? So once again, <laughs> this house ripe for the eavesdropping. <laughs> Buffy and Giles really need to know better at this point. Right? I mean, I don't know how secret this conversation was, but for sure, if Don could just walk in and be part of the convo now, I guess all doors are open. Giles says, some slayers before Buffy found it helpful to, to regain their focus, learning more about their role. There's a sacred place in the desert not far from here. Like, what in the world? Yeah, so the first time he said that, I was like, but... 
that's just very convenient that it's you know so close to where Buffy's been. Half an hour away. (laughs) Really sucks for all the Slayers based elsewhere in the world. It's literally closer (laughs) than you see Sunnydale. (laughs) It's like right there. (laughs) But so so here's what I'm thinking he means. I think he means a sacred place, as not the sacred place, but like there, you know, anywhere that is sacred enough allows you to perform this ritual. Wonderful. I hope they also have these similar sacred places in Japan, in in Jamaica, in wherever these other slayers well, are going to be. I mean, yeah, like there, there's a whole other commentary we can make here on cultural appropriation and how this is basically like ripping off elements of like the vision quest in yeah. various uh, indigenous lores, right? And the show is very uh, laissez-faire, about how they describe all of that. Um, you know, it's not really based on any one particular tradition. But, it, you know, it's this is very much like white people are going to go find themselves <laughs> in the desert. <laughs> I mean, they, they restrained themselves from using terms like spirit animal. True. You know, like, hey, if we're going to, like, dole out small awards, <laughs> they avoided <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> but that's, you know, slim pickings here. So so Buffy says, I can't go. I'm not leaving you, Don. And Don says, if you have to go learn, if it will help you out, I think you should go. I can hang with the gang. I'll be fine. And Buffy says, I love you, Don. You know that, right? And Don says, I love you, too. And Buffy says, I love you, like, really love you. And Don says, it's getting weird. <laughs> and Buffy says, it's important that I tell you weird love better than no love. And they hug. That's so wholesome. Yeah, I'm really glad to see them getting along. It's nice. I'm sure there's no way that the show could possibly bring the mood down after this, right? How can they possibly sully this really sweet moment between two sisters who are grieving? Oh, here's two nasty, disgusting boys named Spike and Warren. Warren's back. Yay. (laughs) They're, They're here because... Warren has completed the robot. So Spike is saying, some say it's better than the real thing. And slow pan up of the Buffy bot. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. So Buffy bot, like, she looks flawless. She she looks remarkably like Sarah Michelle Gellar, whoever they hired to play her. Yeah, I think it's CGI. It looks... Really good for 2001. Makeup's on point. She's wearing this like, actually very, um, you like Spike could have went slutty or sexy or whatever. It, it, but... It's very season four Buffy with the very long skirt and the bright. Very put together. Um, top. Yeah, it's yeah. actually a very like, um, very mature outfit. So do we think that he stole those clothes from Buffy or are those just random like, clothes that he got for her? Well, I have a lot of questions about the the creation of this robot. One of that, yeah, like where did the wardrobe come from? Was it Buffy's wardrobe? Probably. Almost definitely. But he would have had to get that stuff before he got kicked out. But more importantly, like, how does he get the face and the skin and the hair? Uh, He says later, like in this very scene, he says, you know, you gave me profiles on all the family and friends. I mean, they're not really super in depth, but like even the voice of the Buffy bot, like how does he get it right? You know, like. So, So Warren is really good at programming, but I think this goes back to what we talked about in Some Assembly Required, where I think the Hellmouth gives a boost to weird science, Mm, you know, like it shouldn't be so easy to bring people back from the dead as zombies and assemble them like we talked about in that episode. 
but they managed to make it work because they're on the Hellmouth. I think that's what's happening here is Warren, he's a really, really good programmer. He's a really clever scientist and cyberneticist and stuff, but like the flawless skin, like the, you know, her being able to pass as human or whatever, that must be coming from the Hellmouth. Yeah, it's also, I mean, it's supposed to be fun, right? This is why I watched the movie Face Off (laughs) with uh, JT, as in John Travolta and... Uh, Nicholas Cage is because it's like wow they switched faces and now we don't know who's the bad guy um, it doesn't make any sense <laughs> that doesn't make any sense but I watch it and you're supposed to enjoy it I don't enjoy this though and I, you and I will get into this but um, basically Spike says she looks good but what about the rest a little walk a little talk perhaps a zippy cartwheel and Warren says uh, you'll be happy I swear she's got everything you asked for all the extra programming tons of real world, world knowledge the profiles you gave me about her family friends and spike says all the extra programming right and warren says the scenario responses the special skills he 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 means backgammon right yes program to play backgammon well he the special skills being all the flippy do's that buffy's so good at oh that's a good point yeah (laughs) he says um you said i could leave town now so he wants to leave but spike grabs him and says wait i'm not sure i'm a satisfied customer she looks a little shiny to me a touch of plasticine then the Buffy bot's eyes open up, and it is Sarah Michelle Gellar, and she says, Spike? Oh, Spike. Oh, Spike. Oh, Spike. She And she goes and she kisses him. And then Spike says, she'll do. <laughs> <sighs> here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So, um. <laughs> I'm in danger. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, we're going to get into the Buffy bot. Absolutely. Hold your horses, listeners. We're getting there. We're getting there. But, like, what does what does Spike have over Warren? to make him do this he can't hurt him i don't think he paid him (laughs) so like what is it to warren you know why did he do it that's a really good question i i mean i'm assuming there's some money involved i'm assuming that spike has threatened warren warren doesn't necessarily know about the chip you know spike could always hire like a demon like a bad guy to rough up warren Mm -hmm. uh spike could do something you know untoward like i i and I understand where you're coming from. I feel like this is something the show maybe doesn't explore as well as it could, which is, yeah, Spike cannot physically harm humans, but that doesn't stop him from making their lives hell in other ways. He could stay up all night singing to them, right? Like, or or what's to stop him from, I, I mentioned like a Rube Goldberg machine a while back, like what's to stop him from causing a chain of events that causes somebody to like run their car into Warren's mm-hmm. house? Like, you know, there there must be enough degrees of separation at some point for the chip not to be triggered um, <laughs> by what Spike's planning. So, you know, it's, yeah, the, the show, I don't think the show really kind of explores that to the extent that it should, but okay. you're right. To, you're right to ask the question. I just, I just think that the answer is probably very mundane. So Spike could do the level of evil that you and I praised Moloch, praise Moloch. Um, that we praised him for back in season one. Remember when he was like <sighs> changing essays to have like Nazi sympathizer viewpoints, and we were like, he's like stealing remotes. <laughs> he's like, like All the just doing a bunch of shit. <laughs> That's just annoying and evil. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we miss you, Moloch. 
Glory is in her apartment complaining to her minions. She's she's complaining that she's losing control of Ben. And Jinx calls her, you know, our most glamorous yet tasteful one. Hey, Jinx is alive. <laughs> Jinx lived. He lived through his very shallow stabbing because obviously Ben did not do his job correctly. It's almost like Ben has no knowledge of anatomy or physiology. It's like Ben got his job strictly from knowing the right people. <laughs> So Glory is saying that um, he stabbed Jinx in his body and the guy, (laughs) the other minion says Jinx is all right and we have the new knowledge that the key is a human being. Glory is worried about time running out and she says when it runs out we're screwed and they say but you're a god, the sacred Glorificus. And Glory says, a god in exile, far from the hellfires from home, and sharing a body with an enemy that stabs my boys in their fleshy little stomachs. And she pokes Jinx (laughs) in his wound, and she says, I'm in pain! (laughs) So this is great exposition for anyone who forgot what Glory is, that she's on some sort of timeline, that Ben is connected to her in some way. This is a very, really quick catch up here. The minions say they will lay down their lives to help her, and Glory says a slayer and a key are connected. She's going to have contact with it. Find out who's in her life, who's special and different, and watch her. And the one minion says, we can do that, oh, thou. (laughs) And you can see the look that Jinx gives him is like, what the hell, man? Where is Drag? Drag had all of the great compliments. Glory says, I want to hear about every I want to hear about everyone that she has contact with. That girl has my key and I'm trusting you boys to get it for me. If you love me, get it for me. Glory inventing contact tracing well before the COVID-19 pandemic. Damn. Yeah, she is ahead of her time. And that also sounds very much like me when I say I want DQ in the middle of the night to my husband when I'm pregnant. <laughs> if you love me, you'll get it for me. D- does he get it for you? Yeah, I remember. Well, actually, it wasn't too long ago that you and I were recording and he brought me DQ in the middle well, of the night. Well, that wasn't the middle of the night. I'm thinking like 1 a.m. No, DQ. DQ wouldn't be open. I, I Even I know that. <laughs> Still, he could go somewhere where it's open. I don't want your excuses. <laughs> You go find the manager, you wake them up, and you make them open it for you. How hard is it to make me Does happy? Does he not love you? Seriously. <laughs> so, we're in the desert, Kara. The quest, we're in the desert. Giles is driving Buffy there in his convertible. <laughs> Did you, you must have had thoughts on this. Buffy, uh-huh. Buffy has decided to wear her winter gear to the desert um, because she's wearing... <laughs> The longest, thickest suede coat that is, I think is lined with fur that I've ever seen. And she's wearing a brown turtleneck that's like chunky. It's like, this is what I wear in the dead of winter. Like January 5th. This is my outfit. So, yes. So so Giles and Buffy are both looking great in this scene. This whole desert sequence. Yeah. So I think I think she's wearing like what we might call a duster where it's like, you know, long, almost a trench coat, but tighter. She looks great. Love the turtleneck no, on her. No, she looks great. Yeah, Giles, similar, kind of like he's got a blazer on with a turtleneck underneath. He's he's living his best midlife crisis yeah. in this convertible. I had similar thoughts as you. I'm like, huh, they're very <laughs> overdressed for the Californian desert. <laughs> but to be fair, famously, deserts do cool off quite a bit overnight, right? Yeah. Because the same, you know, there, there's nothing that to, there's nothing to hold the heat, sure. basically. So they do get cold overnight. So I, I think they just came prepared, right? They knew they were going to be here for a while. They, they were going to be here after the sun sets, and, and they know enough to be prepared. So 
it, it looks strange to those of us who don't live near deserts, but I, I'm sure for, for our Californian listeners, they're just like, oh, yeah, that, that checks out. So like, it's freezing cold at this time of year because <laughs> sometimes they're wearing parkas and stuff. I don't know. Well, later in the episode, Willow has to, like, wrap herself in a blanket before she goes out onto the balcony, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's just the famous Californian cold spell. <laughs> yeah, the famous freezing temperature drop uh, at certain times of the year. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm sorry, Californians, but we're just we're making fun of you because here in Canada right now it is like minus 25 outside my house. <laughs> and Steph, I, I, I know it's probably not that cold for you, but you you guys just got like a heck of an amount of snow. Yeah, right? I literally haven't been outside since Monday. <laughs> like I have not <laughs> stepped outside my house uh, because of the ice storm. So um, Giles is taking out supplies. He says um, there's a book, a gourd, and a bunch of twigs that he needs. Uh, the location of the sacred place is a guarded secret. I can't take you there myself. I'll have to perform a ritual to transfer my guardianship of you temporarily to a guide. They walk out into the desert. They stop walking, and Giles starts setting everything up. And Buffy says, a guide but no food or water? So they lead me to a sacred place, and a week later it leads you to my bleached bones? And Giles says, Buffy, please. It takes more than a week to bleach bones. And this made me laugh. And I was also like, Cara, do you remember how badly Giles took care of the master's bones <laughs> in when she was bad season two? Like, he just, like, buried them, poured some, like, I don't know, poured holy water around them. They got taken right away. So, Giles, I don't know if you have any room to talk about bones. And Giles is putting the book and the gourd in the center of the twiggy circle. And he says what he has to do for the ritual is I jump out of the circle, then I jump back in, and then I shake my gourd. And Buffy says, I know this ritual. The ancient shamans were next called upon to do the hokey pokey and turn themselves around. And Giles, or he's like, go, go quest, go quest. So she smirks at him and Giles does the ritual. And this is like my favorite scene. He jumps into the circle. Sure enough, he jumps back out and then he shakes the gourd. And Buffy, the delivery of this line, she's so stone faced. And she just says, and that's what it's all about. <laughs> and I laughed. A little too hard, I think. I think that was the funniest joke I've ever heard in my life. Oh, I, I think there are funnier lines in this episode, but I won't fight you about it because I think all of these jokes are cool. <laughs> this episode hits so hard. <laughs> I just love it. Uh, we are in Spike's crypt. Oh, boy. <laughs> Guess what he's doing? <laughs> uh, he and the Buffy bot are just watching TV and having a very chaste time together. Yes. No. no, no, they are reenacting the role playing that he was doing with Harmony. Yeah. So Buffy's standing in her hot pink outfit. She's looking good. She's got a steak. Um, and Spike kind of like attacks her. Um, he grabs her. He says, oh, "Is that your best Slayer?" And Buffy and I just I love Sarah Michelle Gellar's performance as Buffy Bot. It is so good. Yeah. So Sarah Michelle Gellar as Buffy Bot says, "No." I want to hurt you, but I can't resist the sinister attraction of your cold and muscular body. And then Spike says, maybe I should repay you for your gentleness. Maybe I should let you go. And she says, no, Spike, never let me go. And he says, you should be afraid of me. I'm bad. <laughs> okay. And the Buffy bot replies, you are. You're very, very bad. And then she throws him onto the makeshift bed he's got set up. She almost stakes him, but then she straddles him in her skirt. And he says, oh, are you going to do it that way? And she says, no, 
rips his shirt open. She says, this way. And he says, oh, you can't do it. She says, I could never do it. I'm helpless against you. You fiend. (laughs) So Spike then knocks her to the ground, knocks her over, lands on top of her. They start making out. And as he's doing this, he says, Buffy. (sighs) Yep. So Spike spends the day playing with his new toy. Again, it's still too early for us to talk about, for us to go into the Buffy bot. Just the the vapidity here of the Buffy bot, the way that Sarah Michelle Geller knocks it out, because this is, it's not Buffy, it's an ersatz Buffy, but it is a version of Buffy. This is Buffy at her bimboist. Mm-hmm. And like, I dig it, like for the same reason when we were, when we were talking about Crush and I, I kind of talked about like in praise of bimbos, like. I dig the Buffy bot. Not not for the reasons that Spike does, but I think this is an interesting mirror of Buffy herself. And I think it's really... I don't think it's great what the show did with it, but <laughs> I, I think it's really fun that the Buffy bot as a character exists. Yeah, like what I'll say about the Buffy bot is that you and I have always enjoyed the double gangers that happen in this See in the series, right? Willow um, and Vampire Willow, and the comparisons that we had there. Xander, like his two sides, like the side that like had it together and the side that didn't. That's interesting too. So to see a n- different kind of version of Buffy in this way, as you said, Bimbo Buffy, Buffy Bot, it's enjoyable, and it, you can tell Sarah Michelle Gellar gets a little something different to do. Uh, she obviously has fun with it. It's fun being ditzy like this. So. Um, this is her her time to play harmony for a bit, right? And that's 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 cool. Giles is speaking another language while sitting inside the circle as Buffy wanders the desert. She does see a cougar or a mountain lion, you might say, and she says, "Hello, kitty." And the cougar walks away, and Buffy obviously follows it. They walk until it's sunset, and they arrive at this location. And I believe it is the same location from Restless. Buffy says, "I know this place," so it makes me think she's yeah. Been there. I think that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she ha- she's only been there in her, in her dreams, right? Right, right. Tara's at Xander's, um, and she's doing a warning spell for the night because Dawn's staying over there with the Scoobies. And Tara is saying she's not as good at this as Willow is. Willow's a natural with magic. In the time I've known her, she already bl- she's already blown right past me. So Xander's like, well, maybe Willow, when she comes later, she can balk up the spell as Anya and I patrol. And Anya says, I don't know why we have to patrol. Just because Buffy's away? I'd rather watch television. <laughs> And then as they're talking, no one is paying attention to Dawn. Dawn notices a pair of earrings, Anya's earrings on the table, and she steals them. She pockets them. Uh Uh-oh. And then she pretends she didn't. She says, if this is a real supper party, where's the pizza? And no one notices that the minion is watching them from the window. So, (laughs) oh no, Dawn is starting to steal. She's acting out in a strange way. I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm curious, did you start stealing things after your mom died? <laughs> never stopped. Uh, <laughs> no, I've never, I mean, like stealing little things like parsley from Sobeys or from the grocery store. The, sure, you can get a little thrill from that. It's like, I'm not paying for I a I think you're one. morally obligated to steal <laughs> parsley. Right? It's a weed. <laughs> uh, Why are they selling you a weed? I mean, I've never stolen from Sobeys in my life. Um, but No, that's right. Steal from Loblaws instead. Loblaws, Metro, and any of... <laughs> don't steal from from um, private shops. Don't steal from local shops, but the big bad shops. I don't know. Take that parsley. Take it. 
no, I do not steal from friends. You don't steal from friends and loved ones. All right. I'm sure she asked to borrow. That's not the point of her stealing, but the you know, don't I? Right. I don't. I don't support stealing from people who love you and take care of you. Can we? Can we talk about how the minions are very good at locating all these Scoobies? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, they're pretty good at being stealthy. The minions are very competent in this episode for the most part. Like yeah. it's kind of scary. Like this minion is literally just standing in front of the window and no one sees him. So, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they're not looking for a minion spying on them out through the window. So. That's fair. They're paying attention to pizza. Uh, can I do the the next? Scene? I love. I I would really enjoy. I this. want you to do every single Buffy bot scene. <laughs> so we cut back to the crypt. Uh, Buffy and Spike are lying like together under a blanket, and it's very clear they just had what uh, what Steph likes to call coitus. <laughs> yes. And Buffy bot says, "You're evil," <laughs> and Spike says, "That excites you." And Buffy bot says, "It excites me." It terrifies me. I try so hard to resist you, but I can't. Darn your sinister attraction. (laughs) And so I love how the writers and Sarah Michelle Gellar are playing this where it's like she's using these very specific phrases, right? Because she said sinister attraction earlier in the previous scene. So, you know, they're doing a really good job of having her give spike these very specific very like over the top compliments that just don't quite they're just they just sound a little bit off yeah and i love it yeah so spike says uh are you afraid of me Buffybot says yes and he says well you know i can't bite you and she says i think you can if i let you and i want to let you i want you to bite me and devour me until there's no more and he's like like this and he starts like biting at her neck and so she says in like the fakest way possible oh spike devour me (laughs) spike i can't help myself i love you and he says you're mine buffy and he goes in to like make out with her some more but before he he can do that she interrupts him and says should i start this program over and it you can see it really throws him and he kind of looks her in the eyes and he says no programs don't use that word. Just be Buffy. Um, and then he goes in to, to you know, further do things to her, I guess. To have bite uh, sex with her, yes. Hold me back, Steph. Hold me back. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <sighs> yeah. It's the line, you're mine, Buffy. Like, the way he pronounces it that way. And again, like, we've talked about Spike, especially back in um, I Was Made to Love You when he ordered this robot and how it's definitive to us that he does not see Buffy as a person. He does, he sees her as an object, something to have, something that he can possess. So just like the way he says it, like, you're mine. I was like, ugh, it's so creepy. Willow is lecturing a... <laughs> Willow's, Willow's leaving her class and she's got an Asian classmate with her and she's lending him her, her notes and she's like, you know, don't spill anything on it. Don't fold the cor- page corners and all this stuff. And she's being like, you know, extra about her homework. And I was like, Willow, that is an Asian student you're talking to. He knows. <laughs> this boy knows how to take care of notes. Don't you worry. His parents, <laughs> you know... His parents have put the fear of God into him. Oh, those notes are going to be the most pristine notes you have ever seen. You don't need to lecture this guy about Don't shame the family. No, 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 no. Like, ultimate dishonor if you were to spill something on those notes. Don't worry, Willow. The minion is following Willow. That's what what the scene is for. 
Spike is asleep in his crypt, and the Buffy bot is getting changed. And what does she say, Kara? Time to slay, which is a great catchphrase for a Buffy action figure. <laughs> it is. And then, of course, she says, vampires of the world, beware. And she leaves. <laughs> so we're in the desert. Giles is sipping tea out of his mug, and it is nighttime. So here I understand why they need all the garb, all the, all the gear. I, I, I want to point out, sorry, I just want to point out, this is Spike's fault because he told her to be Buffy. He gave her a direct command. So now she's being Buffy. Yeah. And Buffy goes out and slays. True, true, true. Um, and the real Buffy is trying to slay in the desert, but she's bored <laughs> because nothing's happening. I mean, her look slays. <laughs> uh, hey, I like her look. I just, I've been in desert before. It blew me away that that's what she wore. <laughs> so Buffy bought is strolling in the cemetery and she sees Anya and Xander. I did find it weird that Anya and Xander went to patrol on their own because when later when they come across the three vampires, I was like, they would have died. <laughs> so anyway, she goes up to Xander and Anya and says hi to them and she scans them. And I love the scans that the show does. So for Xander, mm -hmm. it says, friend, carpenter, dates Anya. And then for Anya, it says, date Xander, likes money, ex-demon. So then she says, Xander, and Anya, how is your money? <laughs> and I love how pleased Anya is with this question. It's so she's... cute. This is one of my favorite lines of the episode. No, this is so good. She's like, fine. Thank you so much for asking. <laughs> she's like, finally, people are like, you know, really treating me with the respect and friendliness that I deserve. Right? I love like, it. It's so funny. This is the most complimentary thing anybody could ever have asked Anya. So pleased. And I will add that this is not far off from Chinese customs because when we greet each other, it's often like, hope you get rich, you know, like like a, like a prosperous year for you. It's it's very customary for that, Chinese people. That's really interesting. Whereas my, my joke for this slide was going to be, I, sh I probably should ask my friends more, you know, how is your money, except most of my friends are millennials and we don't have any. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you were to ask a Chinese person, how is your money, they'd be, they would do this. They'd be like, oh, well, thank you for asking. Like, it's going well. I will keep that in mind. <laughs> so um, Buffy Bot is saying, isn't it a beautiful night for killing things? And Xander says, I guess. And they note that she's back early, right? And he's like, how was the whole Vision Quest experience? And Buffy Bot just says, I don't understand that question, but thank you for asking. You're my friend and a carpenter. <laughs> so Xander is like, are you all right? And that's when Spike runs up. So Spike realizes he fucked up. He runs over. He's out of breath. He's out which of breath. Vampires don't breathe, according to Angel yeah, and Prophecy Girl, but all right. But often Angel was out of breath as well. So it's just, just very strange. The Buffy Bot says, Spike, it's Spike. And he's wearing a coat. <laughs> <laughs> I was dying at this point, Steph. I had to pause the episode. <laughs> it's funny. So Spike says, uh, yes, hello all. Buffy's back early, I see. Lots of patrolling uh, around tonight. And uh, the Buffy bot is trying to touch Spike, right? And he's like pretending that it hurts. He's like, ow, hey, like give a fellow a break there, Slayer. <laughs> he's like, I'm glad you're all here because the place is crawling with vamps tonight. I think we should split up. And Sandra and Anya are so confused. Like, they see, like, something's off, right? And then three vampires happen to approach, and Anya's like, oh, you're right. And Spike's like, yep, I guess so. <laughs> so they start to fight the vampires. This is a really funny situation. This is a funny thing. So Xander takes on um, one vampire while Anya kind of, like, jumps around them. And then she manages to stake from behind, which is great. 
Uh, the Buffy bot takes out one of the vampires. How embarrassing is it for this vampire to be killed not <laughs> by the Slayer, but by a simulacrum of the Slayer? <laughs> right? If all, when he gets to hell or wherever he goes, the demon dimension, people are going to be like, really? <laughs> um, but the whole point of this is that while she's fighting them, she's like trying to protect Spike, right? She's like, I got to help Spike. And um, the, the minions are watching that, right? So so she ends up helping Spike and he dusts the other vampire Spike tells Anya and Xander that they have it handled and they can toddle on home. And Buffy Bot says, Spike and I will do it alone. You guys head home. So, <laughs> so oh, God. oh my. So Xander and Anya leave and the Buffy Bot says to Spike, I don't understand this. I did the slaying and I should be. And Spike's like, satisfied? And she says, but I'm not. My skin is all hot. Do I look hot to you? And he says, always. And she says, better feel me to make sure. And he says, I can do that. This is this is a bad porn. This is a really bad. This is the start of a porn. Or I don't you don't want you don't watch Friends. But they had a spoof in Friends where Phoebe's twin sister, Ursula, did a porno. And it was called Buffet the Vampire Lair. And it actually kind of plays out this way. Oh my god, you're right. There must be va- there must be Buffy porn yeah, out there. I'm sure oh there. Oh, someone write in about that just 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 to say. No, don't <laughs> yeah. don't. I'm good. So Carl I'm fine. wants to know. Oh dear. This is this is a lot. This is a lot. So Anya and Xander are walking away, and Xander is feeling odd about what just happened. Right? He says, "I wish that Giles had told us what happened in the desert." And Anya's like, well, you know, probably some silly ritual with an ancient prairie dog or something. (laughs) She's not far off. And Xander notes that Buffy was really spacey. They think that she's back from this trip. That's why she's acting this way. Um, But then he realizes that she never asked about Dawn and that something's wrong. Then they have to turn back. Well, and they hear noise. They hear noise. And they, uh, so they come back up on the cemetery and they can see through the, the fence. Buffy bought a straddling spike. You know, again, the skirt really doing a lot of wardrobe work here. Mm-hmm. Um, she's riding him. And sorry, I'm just mentally preparing myself for this. Uh, she says, oh, Spike, you're the big bad. You're the big bad. And I, I, again, the inflection here, the, the, the way that she says it is just so like, unbelievable i just sarah michelle geller why did you not get an emmy for this episode (laughs) for this specific one uh yeah so they're obviously having sex um it is a very robotic looking sex because obviously we bought as a robot but this is this is some of the kind of most explicit sex we've had at least since where the wild things are right where it's like you can like see buffy bot going up and down no even like like i said season five has stepped up the sex scenes because we didn't get this in where the wild things are we got a lot of rolling around but you don't get gyrating like this or actual straddling and riding so yes this is the most the the most uh graphic one we've seen even though it's still very stiff so i want to note here that this is not as difficult for me to watch as the serious sex scenes those make me uncomfortable sometimes when i watch them but this is just like a random kind of like maybe cars oversharing when she says this but i find like it's very easy for me to watch this kind of simulated sex or like the sex you might see in porn pornography because to me it's easy for me to think, oh, that's not real. Like, this is my problem as an ace person who doesn't have sex with partners. I have a hard time believing that anybody really wants to have sex and does it for pleasure. Um, and so 
to me, the idea that people are paid to have sex as they are in porn, or in this case, you know, um, th this is like a kind of a simulated sex where Spike is using literally a sex bot, that for some reason that doesn't touch my brain in the same way that like the idea of simulated sex, I don't know. I don't know if I'm explaining that correctly. <laughs> this doesn't freak me out the way that romantic sex scenes freak me out as much in TV shows. Interesting. Um, it freaks me out because I'm horrified, just as Anya and Xander <laughs> are horrified. Um, so one thing I do want to say about this, and I brought up a bit about it in um, I Was Made to Love You, and it's about shaming of sex toys kink shaming in a lot of ways this is a word i see thrown around uh, a lot when it comes to spike and this sex bot people are like you're kink shaming spike because he likes having sex with the robot that's not it <laughs> right that's not it if spike had a sex robot and he wanted to have sex with him private go for it spike whatever but um where i don't see this as kink shaming is is the fact that Spike has taken Buffy's identity and he's taking it into public and having sex with it in public. So this is a violation. This is a violation of Buffy's privacy. It's a violation of Buffy's body and identity. And in my opinion, it's not that far off from using someone's nude photos without their consent, right? Getting your hands on your friend's exactly. pictures and jacking off to them. It's the same as him making the shrine. It's the same as him making the little the little figure of Buffy and jacking off to it in his cave. But this is the next step because he's bringing this actual sentient robot into public where people could actually think that it's Buffy. It could be her. It could take over her identity. So this is a violation. And this is why I don't think that it's shaming anyone who likes kink because in this case, it's not consensual kink. And Buffy is going to feel violated by this later, as she should. Therefore, this is wrong. This is wrong what he's doing. Absolutely. Um, I have some more thoughts on that, but I've got a specific scene I'm waiting for. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's that's the beginning of the conversation there. But for, yeah, for people who say, like, this is... This is, this is just Spike's king. This is just Spike's fantasy. It's This is not Spike's fantasy. This is Buffy's life. <laughs> so Taryn will are watching TV at Xander's when Xander comes in. Xander says, Buffy's gone insane. Brace yourselves. You're not going to believe this. And Tara's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like before we jump all over her, people do strange things when, they, when someone they love dies. When I lost my mother, I did some pretty dumb stuff, like lying to my family and staying out all night. And Anya just says, Buffy's boinking Spike. <laughs> And Tara and Willow are shocked, and it's Willow who stands up and says, oh, well, well, you know, Tara's right. Grief can be powerful, and we shouldn't judge. <laughs> and then Tara, bless her, says, are you kidding? She's nuts. <laughs> uh, again, one of the best lines of the episode. There's just so many good lines. Yeah. Once again, I'm laughing out loud here because, you know, Tara, sweet, sweet Tara. For Tara to say that's nuts, right? That's how you know it's bad. Yeah. And then, yeah, and Willow, like, you know, takes that in and she says, it's not healthy, right? We're all, we all, we all agree. Uh, but what can we do? And Anya's like, slap them like in the movies. And Xander wants to find Buffy and talk to her. He says, if she's losing it, we got to help her before she gets herself hurt. So again, this is carryover. Remember I said last episode, I don't mind Xander looking out for Buffy in this kind of way. He knows she's being vulnerable. He knows she's hurting. So this is a good friend. 
Tara asks if he's going to slap her, and Xander says no. But if I have to see her straddle spike again, I will definitely knock myself unconscious. I mean, I'm not against that, Xander. You you, you knock yourself out. Z- Xander, I support that. <laughs> so <laughs> Buffy is sleeping. <laughs> and then suddenly she wakes up and there's a fire, like a bonfire in front of her. And who is there, Kara? It's Sinea. The first Slayer. From Restless. We haven't seen her in a... You know, most Has of the not season. upgraded the uh, the look there. Yeah, I don't know how much we want to get into that. Hey, if you guys want to hear what we had to say, go, go to Restless. Go listen to Restless. Go listen to Restless. We <laughs> talked about it a lot. We got in trouble on TikTok about it. It's It's been a whole journey. No, we didn't get in trouble. Sorry, we didn't get in trouble. I got attacked by white boy gangs. <laughs> there we go. There it is. There it is. But um, yeah, go listen to that episode if you want to hear what we talk about the racism. I don't think we need to re- rehash it here. But I will say the difference here is that she has a voice this time. Her mouth doesn't but, move. But it's but it's not her voice because yeah. this is not actually the Slayer. She's just the mouthpiece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, again, like I was going to say, like <laughs> she's speaking. Ter- hey, a white woman's not speaking for her in this case, as far as we know. <laughs> like, you know, can't can't confirm. But her mouth doesn't move, so obviously it's not actually her speaking. So Spike is smoking a cigarette in his crypt. Uh, Steph has written in her notes, it's implied that the Buffy bot is giving him a suck job <laughs> on his dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, in big capital letters. S- Steph, this is where I have to confess, you know, as Ace Kara, I did not realize that until you wrote that down. <laughs> I I did not connect that. I didn't want to make that connection, but it's clear. So he's sitting, he's leaning back, and when there's a knock on the door, Buffy Bot stands up, and then they he does his his belt. Up. I didn't realize that was what's going on. So thank you for connecting those dots for he's me. He's getting <laughs> a a blow J, <laughs> as they call it in Superbad. Uh, okay, we don't. Yeah, we don't have to blame for that point. Um, so yeah, so there's a knock on the door. He tells. Buffy to hide and whatever you do don't come out until I, I get you so Buffy goes to hide in the the secret compartment and Xander storms into the crypt and he says I saw you in the cemetery with Buffy and Spike says yeah can't see how that's any business of yours and Xander says it is my business because Buffy's my friend she's gone through stuff that's affecting her and you're taking advantage of her and Spike, you know, I like how he's like thought up a cover story. He's like, she's upset about her mom. If she turns to me for comfort, I'm not going to deny it to her. I'm not a monster. <laughs> and Xander says, yes, vampires are monsters. They make monster movies about you. Which, point Xander. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets a little physical. He grabs Spike by the collar and he says... Buffy has lots of friends and we love her very much and we'll do whatever it takes to protect her. If that means killing you, then, well, that's just a bonus. To which I say, fucking do it, Xander. Someone fucking do it. Someone. Please. Like, what? You just discovered Spike violating Buffy or that's how you're seeing it. Just stake him already. What's the point of keeping him around? Which is what he was afraid of in the last episode, right? Coming over here and making Buffy a sex doll or whatever. So it's happening. So just stake him. What's what's going to happen? But before before Xander can um, finish, shall we say, um, <laughs> Spike clearly didn't get to finish this time. <laughs> Who comes in but the minions? It's a party in the crypt and everybody's invited. The minions show up and Jinx is fake apologetic and he says, gentlemen, I'm so sorry to intrude, but I wonder if I might beg a moment of your time. And then he immediately (laughs) knocks out Xander. (laughs) 
it's badass. <laughs> right? Like the minions. Like they yeah. over they overwhelm Spike and they tie up his hands and he they bundle him. They uh vampire handle him out of the, the crypt. Yeah. And while they do this, Jink is telling them, Oh, you know, like be careful, like uh she will want the key intact. And Spike's like, What? I'm not the key. But before he can say anything else, they gag him. Uh, and they take him out, and you know the camera pans across to Xander being unconscious, which he predicted earlier. <laughs> yeah, he got his wish. <laughs> I hope I hope he goes and he gets checked out by Ben, the sexy murder intern. Right? I don't think he will pull Giles and just be okay after this. Remember, kids, concussions are serious business. So the minions are really strong, obviously. They got an upgrade after the the whole uh, Knights of Byzantium fiasco, right? Well, that was LARPing. That wasn't real. <laughs> That was just a game. They're back in the desert, and Buffy tells Sinea that she knows her. You're the first slayer. And Sinea says, this is a form. I am the guide. And Buffy says, I have a few questions about being the slayer. Like, what about love? Not just boyfriend love. <laughs> and Sinea says, uh, you think you're losing your ability to love. You're afraid that being the slayer means losing your humanity. Buffy says, does it? And she says, you are full of love. You love with all your soul. It's brighter than the fire. Blinding. That's why you pull away from it. And Buffy says, I'm full of love. I'm not losing it. And Sidea says, only if you reject it. Love is pain. The Slayer forges strength from pain. Love, give, forgive. Risk the pain. It's in your nature. Love will bring you your, to your gift. And Buffy's like, what? <laughs> That's actually pretty deep. I like that. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear. Buffy is having a crisis here. You know, and and it's been building for a while. I think it kind of started building at the start of the season where she got back into training with Giles. This whole connection to the power of the Slayer, the darkness, as Dracula talked about. And everything with her mom and stuff, I think, has really thrown her off balance here. She's very concerned, like we saw in the, the first scene of the episode. And so I like what this guide, whatever it is, is telling her. It's reminding her that contrary to what she believes, the problem isn't that she's getting harder. The problem is that she has been withdrawing, right? She has been withdrawing and, and trying to cut herself off from the pain that she's been feeling from things like her mom getting sick. And that's a very normal, very natural reaction. But, you know, she's not losing her ability to love. She's just trying to protect herself. And this is a reminder, I think, for all of us that the the whole flip side of love is that when you love people, they can hurt you, either intentionally or unintentionally. But if you cut yourself off because you don't want to be hurt, then, of course, it's going to be harder to feel love. And then the question becomes, what's the point? Yeah. And I, I also connect that to what Sinea said here, that love is pain. Because grieving, yep, you, you feel numb sometimes, you cut yourself off. But that is a type of love like that is your love expressing itself in its saddest form I, I mean you just put yourself through nine months of pregnancy and <laughs> you're soon through childbirth for love of your husband and this unborn child so. we, as we assume <laughs> um yeah absolutely so so i'm just like i think um part of the the thing that buffy thinks is cutting her off that she can't love anymore it's actually that she loves so much and that's why she's in pain that's mm -hmm. why she's hurting that's why she feels bad about losing riley because she did love him in a way she's like that girl in mean girls who just has so many feelings yeah she doesn't even go here 
Um, I have so many feelings. Right? But it's like, it's not Buffy. Like, yeah, you're in pain because you miss your mother, but that's that's your love coming through for her, right? So, that, yeah, I do, I do like what this conversation is telling us about Buffy and about being a slayer. And then I also just want to say quickly that this goes back to when we talked about Fool for Love and how Spike was always saying, like, being a slayer means being in darkness. It means having a death wish. Whereas here, the slayer is telling Buffy... It's actually love. Like love is kind of the, your whole deal, right? Like I mean, that's not a really <laughs> nice way of saying it, but you know, don't reject it, right? Is if you reject it, this, the, you're rejecting something that is makes you who you are and is part of your power. So this is interesting. So we're we're getting this continuation of Slayer lore, and we're gonna see it continue play out throughout the rest of the season. So um, the Buffy bot comes out of the crypt, and she's like, Spike, I waited like you said, but then I missed you. Spike, which is like Spike, you knew this was going to happen. This is literally what happened with Warren and April, right? Like, this is the flaw in the Warren bot design. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so she, if Buffy Bot goes to Xander's apartment, right? And Willow answers the door, and Buffy Bot's just like, Spike's gone. <laughs> So Willow leads her through the apartment. She grabs a blanket because it is it is minus 25 outside. And she goes outside to the balcony where they can talk privately. Again, we see inside the Buffy Bot's head to see how it scans Willow. And it says, best friend, gay from 1999 to present. <laughs> um, which, good with computers. <laughs> Spike was both incredibly thorough and also really bad at this at the same time. <laughs> Uh, uh, so, so what does the Buffy bot say? Spike was gone. I need to find him. Willow says, okay, this thing with Spike isn't true, is it? You didn't sleep with Spike. No, I had sex with Spike. <laughs> I'm sorry if it bothers you. You're my best friend. And Willow's like, I I am and always will be no matter what you do. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out why this happened. And I think your mom and everything, everyone's being all sympathetic and you, making you feel weak. And Spike wasn't like that. So it was just this one time you did something kind of crazy. It wasn't one time. It was lots of times and lots of different ways. I can make sketches. <laughs> <laughs> can we just pause for yeah, a moment? Yeah, yeah. How incredibly <laughs> twisted this all is. Yes. I, also... How does Willow not feel like this is not Buffy? Like, what is going on that Willow's, like, having this convo? For Buffy to say lots of different ways, Willow's just like, oh, oh. I can make sketches for you. I just, I really love how the Buffy bot is so forthcoming with information. <laughs> She's clearly following the chatty doctor code in Sunnydale, where it's like, I am going to be completely honest with everybody. Oh my god, it's so it's such a funny combo because Willow then says, No, Buffy, there's something seriously wrong here, okay? Yeah, you've been with a vampire before, but Angel had a soul. <laughs> and Buffy Bot uh insults Angel in an ableist way and then says, His hair goes straight up and he's bloody stupid. <laughs> Which I mean, that's an accurate remark, the first part, not the second part, but uh, you know, that's an accurate remark to say that his hair goes straight up. And I love the I love the insults that Spike <laughs> obviously had Warren program in about Angel. Like specifically about Angel, because you know when they're like mid fighting, he's probably just like, What do you think of Angel? And Buffy Bot's just like, his hair goes straight up. <laughs> so so the, the funny thing about this though is again, I think that remark should have clued Willow in to be like, What? Absolutely. But instead Willow's like Okay. 
And she's like, look, I just want to help you. Let me help you. And Buffy Bot says, you're my best friend, right? So Will's like, I am, but. And then what does Buffy Bot say? You're recently gay. <laughs> recently gay. I feel like I, I feel like we need to gift that to any of our uh, gay listeners. You can now put that as like your title. <laughs> you know, it's like introduce yourself as hello, I'm blank. Recently gay. Even if you've been gay forever. Yeah. Um, you know, even if you've been gay forever, you're still recently gay. You were recently gay. <laughs> You know, You're later driving down the street. Um, <laughs> or like, I like just like, you know, the brackets of 1999 to present. And it's like, you could put that on a tombstone. <laughs> um, maybe. Uh, maybe this is why Willow's having a hard time figuring out that Buffy's a robot. Because maybe she and Tara just had really good sex. Mm. And she's just kind of all, you know, brain foggy. Uh, Kara, That's the thing that happens after really good sex, right? Kara, Tara and Willow do not have sex they have circle o's and that's all they have well that's what i mean right yeah. <laughs> i assume that takes a lot out of you yes it definitely does we saw willow lie down that one time when they did it uh, and i'm sure they cleaned up the circle unlike buffy <laughs> xander xander runs in at that point and interrupts this conversation he's like wake everyone, everyone wake up and he's like buffy and the buffy bot is like yes that's me <laughs> Which, yeah. i love that she has to confirm it and hold and stand by for your station identification. <laughs> so Xander says the guy that works for Glory, are, they're like hobbits with leprosy, right? Well, this is a whole flock of hobbits. They grabbed Spike and took him to Glory. And Willow's like, oh, no, but he what he knows about Don. And the Buffy bot's only concerned with getting Spike back, of course. And they, they're like, how do we find him? And they all stare at Buffy Bot. And Buffy Bot says, I fight with weapons. <laughs> Stop response. Canned response. Buffy Bot at this point is about as advanced as a chat GPT AI. So Xander says, Xander says yeah, yeah, I've, I've got nothing as well. So let's go to your place and stock up. And Tara says she'll stay behind and watch Dawn. And I'm honestly disappointed, Kara, that I'm disappointed that Tara can tell when Buffy is Faith but cannot tell that Buffy's a robot in the scene. <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah, so just to remind our listeners, back in Who Are You, um, Tara immediately knew that somebody else was in Buffy's body because the aura was off, right? Which implies Tara can see auras. So here's a couple of possible theories. I, I agree with you that this is just kind of sloppy writing on the writer's part. Um, one theory would be maybe Tara only looks at people's auras like when she wants to um right it's not something that she sees all the time so maybe she was looking at buffy's aura back in who are you deliberately for whatever reason because she was just kind of uneasy being around buffy and you know now that she's got to know buffy she just doesn't really turn that on very often mm -hmm. so she just hasn't looked since buffy bot was as being here so that's one option uh another option could be maybe uh, the Buffy bot generates something like an aura because I, 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 my understanding is auras, one kind of pseudoscientific explanation for auras is that they are like electromagnetic fields around human bodies. Robots maybe give off electromagnetic fields. So maybe the Buffy bot does have an aura and maybe it just is similar enough to Buffy that it looks like Buffy if Buffy's lost her mind and is pointing Spike, right? <laughs> so maybe Tara's looking at the aura from this Buffy bot and is like, oh, that's a weird aura. Mm -hmm. You know, she just thinks it's weird because Buffy's obviously lost it. So there's my second theory for you. Nice. 
I'm glad you put so much thought into that because I was just like, hey, <laughs> all he did. So <laughs> Buffy is in the desert again, right? And she's like, I'm sorry. I'm just a little confused. I'm full of love, which is nice, but love will lead me to my gift. I'm getting a gift or I have a gift to give to somebody else. And Zanea says, death is your gift. And Buffy says, death. And Zanea says, is your gift. <laughs> Fucking get it. Like, come on. <laughs> the, the guide here is is getting so frustrated with Buffy. And it's reminding me of those, like, white professors, the white man professors who yeah. are, like, getting frustrated with Buffy, arguing with them, Buffy, where it's like... You are sucking energy out of everyone in the desert right now. <laughs> You are sucking energy from this ritual. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, come on. The yeah. guy's like, come on, keep up. You're not very bright, are you? And it's like, no, like you're you're responding in kind of this cryptic tone. Of course, Buffy needs some time to process what you're saying. Death is your gift is what I just said. <laughs> Did you not do the reading? God. <laughs> Did you not read the, you know, Nietzsche and Hegel? I gave you like five podcasts to listen to when you followed that cougar through the desert and you didn't listen to one. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that cougar probably did have a podcast. Let's be real. <laughs> I'd listen to it. I'd listen to it so hard. Cougar cast. <laughs> cougar cast. <laughs> That's a very different make sound. Sure you, make sure you smash that like, share, and subscribe button. Welcome to Cougar Cast. Meow. <laughs> Cougar, if you want to be on our podcast, if you want to do a crossover, please contact us. Get our email, prostategirlspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Oh, I love this. (laughs) So Buffy says, death is not my gift. My mother just died. I know this. If I have to kill demons because it makes the world a better place, then I kill demons. But it's not a gift to anybody. And Sinea's just like, your question's been answered. And she pieces. She disappears with the fire. (laughs) You you don't like it, bitch? Not my problem. I'm out. (laughs) I love this. This guy is just like, it's like your hour's up. Like, I was only paid to do this for an hour. Um, My hour is up. I'm not staying past that or else you're going to have to, you know, pay another $500. Right? If you you want me to stay for an extra half hour, that's going to cost you extra. You got to shake that gourd again. (laughs) yeah the gourd shake was only good for one night and your time is up so (laughs) good times you never notice how all these like spiritual guides in buffy are just so sketch (laughs) they never give you the right answers never you remember the uh the um what are they called the oracles from that episode of angel that we talked about (laughs) yeah we called them you know, we had the names for them it was jeff and barb, barb. yeah jeff yeah. and barb yeah <laughs> that's like that's like what's going on here where they're just like they're so they're there's you know they're just fucking with us yeah yeah so when sinea disappears with her fire you can almost hear her mutter lower being <laughs> as she goes they're on the same 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 level uh. of annoyance oh good time so i hope buffy got what she expected to get the minions are dragging Spike into Glory's apartment. And I do you notice this? It's so bright in there. I swear to God, sunlight hit him multiple times. <laughs> uh, uh, so um, Glory says, what the hell is this? And why is his hair this color? <laughs> so I, I just, I need to, I was shocked. I was shook when I watched the scene. Did you notice what Glory's wearing? No. She's wearing like, it's some kind of like slip lingerie nighty thing. Yeah. It's blue. She's not wearing red. Not wearing her red. I was throwing. I was like, did the color on my TV go off? (laughs) Um, Is this something I did? (laughs) Anyway, 
Carry on. She still looks great. The minions introduce Spike as the key, and I love this because she's like, fantabulous and impossible. He can't be the, the key because, see, the key has to be pure. And she sniffs him, and then she says, this is a vampire. Lesson number one, vampires equal in pure. And Spike's like, damn right, I'm impure. I'm as impure as a, dry, as a driven yellow snow. Let me go. And Glory says, you, you can't even brain suck a vampire. You can't even give a vampire suck jobs, is what she's saying. I mean, Buffy found a way. <laughs> the Buffy bot Buffy knows bot. how to do. She says he's completely useless. <laughs> she's not wrong. She's, I mean, she's on to something here. Uh, Jinx is saying the Slayer protected this one above all others. She treated him as precious and glory's like precious <laughs> that's the lord of the rings glory's like precious let me take a peek at you precious and spike tells her to sod off and she punches him into the wall <laughs> she punches him so hard he flies back and then she pulls him by the lip painfully and says he doesn't look very fancy to me but if the slayer protects him maybe appearances are deceiving and she throws him onto the bed she straddles him and she says, maybe there's something on the inside. And she shoves her fingers into his chest. And he screams. And she says, what do you know, precious? <laughs> what can I dig out of you? Ooh, so Spike's about to get tortured. Cool. Cool. I don't feel bad. Let's, let's go to the Thunderstorm. The Scoobies and the Buffy Bot enter to get the weapons. And Anya's, Anya says something legit. She says, why don't we have guns? <laughs> Because, Anya, can you imagine any of these people around guns? This They would not end well. No, but they do bring multiple crossbows to this battle. So Willow asks Buffy where they should go look for glory. And Buffy Bot says, I don't know. Why are you all looking at me? We need to rescue Spike. <laughs> and Willow's like, okay, uh, there are weapons upstairs. Like, why don't you get, go get those? And Anya says... You should change your clothes, something more fighty. And I was like, all right, Anya, If she, in the last five years, if Buffy has not bothered to wear practical clothing to slay, she's not doing it as the Buffy bot. There's no way. <laughs> so the Buffy bot leaves and Xander says, all right, this is going too far. She thinks we're rescuing Spike. And Xander says, we got to find him and keep him from talking. And Anya wonders about Glory. And Will's like, yeah, we're, we're going to need Buffy's help for this. So Xander says, we're going to have to talk to her. And Will says it out loud. She says, intervention time again? <laughs> Willow fucking loves her interventions. Remember, season, what was that, season three? No, there's so many. Season two, they had intervention. Season three, they had like two different ones. Giles! nobody's using the I feel statements. <laughs> right? And then <laughs> and then Cordelia. <laughs> I feel I feel bad about me. <laughs> okay. But then they wanted to have a they wanted to have an intervention for Faith too. Like these people just love interventions. Xander says, what we need now is a sane Buffy. So that's when the real Buffy walks into the, the room. We know this is this is such a farce, which I think is what I love about this episode, is like the way they've written this. The, the the mistaken identity, you know, Buffy bot leaving, real Buffy entering, like it's it's just so well done. The costuming, right? It's just like because because not only are they wearing different clothes, but like the re whole reason Buffy has her hair pulled back in a ponytail in this episode is so that she's so incredibly different yeah. from Buffy bot, right? Yeah. It's so obvious, but they just think she she changed really fast. <laughs> I know, and she's like group hang. <laughs> And Willow says, that was quick. And Buffy says, didn't seem like it to me. Death is my gift. And Xander's like, Buffy, we need to talk. 
Buffy's asks about Dawn and they say it's fine. Xander says, we care about you and we're worried about you, the way you're acting, the things you're doing. And Anya says, it's wrong. And Willow's like, wait, wait, this shouldn't be about blame, which is exactly Willow's role in the intervention. <laughs> Choose the I feel statements, everyone. Giles, Giles, they're not using the I statements. <laughs> so, okay, <laughs> Buffy says, blame? There's blame now? And Willow says, there's, there's only love and some fear. <laughs> That's such a Steph line. And Anya's like, we're just thrown by you having sex with Spike. And Buffy's like, the who's wanting how with huh? And Anya's like, that's denial, which usually comes after anger. And Buffy's like, I'm not having sex with Spike. And Anya's like, that there's the anger. <laughs> so this is such a funny scene. So Xander says, Xander says, no one's judging you, which is rich coming from Xander, who judges all the time, all day, 24-7. Xander has done nothing but judge Buffy for her choice of men. Xander has always been the judgiest person in intervention, so the fact that he says that here is laughable. He says, it's understandable. Spike is strong and mysterious and sort of compact, but well-muscled. And again, Buffy says, I'm not having sex with Spike, but I'm starting to think you might be. <laughs> Which, A, fantastic, come back. B, I love the look that Xander gives at that point where he's just kind of like, I've thought about it. <laughs> or, or he's just like, no homo. I mean, well, yes, there is that. There is the latent homophobia in this whole joke. But like, you know, uh, Spike was staying with Xander when he was living in his parents' basement. I'm just saying, if anybody wants to write some fanfic, I'm not going to read it, but somebody will. Also, shout out to Spadum. We miss Spadum so much. Um, Xander says, Buffy, we saw you with Spike with the straddling. And that's when the Buffy bot enters the room. And she says, Spike's mine. Who's straddling Spike? And they take it in. And Buffy says, oh, my God. And the Buffy bot says, look at you. You look just like me. We're very pretty. <laughs> I, love I love it. it. I, love I love the confidence. So funny. And Willow says, two of them. And Xander says, hey, I know this. You're both Buffy. <laughs> oh, my God. So I love that throwback to earlier this season. And Buffy's like, uh, no, she's a robot. She acts just like the girlfriend bot that, that Warren guy made. You guys couldn't tell me apart from a robot. And <laughs> honestly, Buffy, that is justified. You're disbelief and the disdain yes the disdain and incredulity and sarah michelle geller's voice yes. in that moment she rocks that line yeah um the delivery of that the way she looks at them i'm just like oh yes i feel it it's so true i love that buffy figures this shit out immediately number one and she's just like you are you serious like you thought this was me like i would also be so pissed uh and Vanya says she's very well done and that's true too it does look exactly like buffy right but B buffy spent like the most time with april right yes. like she hung out with april for the rest of the afternoon yes. so stop defending the scoobies car <laughs> they should have known hey i just i know what it's like to be in their position because remember that whole run of episodes where you secretly replaced yourself with a robot duplicate <laughs> and true. i didn't know so you're really really empathizing with them because i because i really fooled you <laughs> so i could go on vacation without you knowing um uh so xander says spike must have had her built so he could program her too and buffy is horrified she's like oh god and willow says yikes imagine the things and buffy's like no imagining any of you and xander says he already got the visual so the buffy bot says people 
friends of mine. You're forgetting the most important thing. Glory has Spike, and she's going to harm him. And that's when Buffy clues in. She's like, Glory has Spike? And Buffy's like, grab the weapons. We're going now. I'm going to kill him. Yes. And Willow says, we don't know where to look. And Buffy says, I know where to start. So at the beginning of this episode, Cara, you claimed that there were many inter interventions happening around here. This is the only one that I noticed because I was like, <laughs> and again, it's not a real intervention because Buffy didn't actually do anything. We've seen really dramatic interventions in the past in this show. And this is not one of them. This is funny. This is a funny intervention. Right. Uh, well, so one of the interventions earlier was Buffy in the desert, right? Uh, Giles is helping Buffy have an intervention for herself as a slayer. We'll, we will see another intervention later in the episode where... Uh, Buffy has a uh, single person intervention for Spike at the very end of the episode. And it's also an intervention in the sense that not as like the, the ceremony of an intervention, but Spike is intervening on Buffy's behalf by stopping Glory from finding out who the key is. Okay. So, all right. All right. That I will take it. This is the moment where I would like to talk about the Buffy bot. Let's do it. Because... You know, when Willow's like, imagine the things, and Xander says, oh, already got the visual. And Buffy's like, no imagining. <sighs> okay. I don't think, because you did a great job of explaining earlier uh, about the whole idea of how this relates to kink. I hope I don't really need to talk and, like, convince most of our listeners what's going on here in terms of, like, this is rape, right? Yes. Like, this is assault. Even though... Buffy's physical body has not been violated by Spike. He is assaulting her image. You know, this show is actually kind of prophetic because in a way, this presages and predicts or foreshadows the very real issue these days of deepfakes. Have you heard of deepfakes, mm -hmm. Steph? So we have reached the point where not only can you just like Photoshop the face of somebody you know onto a pornographic model, but we now actually have the technology where we can use uh, machine learning models and AI to fake pornographic videos using faces of people you know, or actors or other celebrities and stuff. So people have made like fake celebrity sex tapes, um, or some people will create like videos of, you know, their exes or something, or other people they want to harm, where it shows them having sex and the video is completely faked. It's just the person's face on a simulated body. It's incredibly disturbing. It's incredibly harmful. Um, and it, that goes into what you were saying before, but like, you know, that is crossing a line. And so that's technology we just have kind of developed in the last couple of years. And, you know, that's kind of what this episode is getting at is this idea of like, you know, what are the ethics around simulating sex uh using the image of a person who hasn't consented to the use of their image and i think you made a really good point earlier about how that's non-consensual so i don't really need to retread that but i wanted to make the connection to deep fakes mm -hmm. but to me what makes this so viscerally disgusting for me is the fact that spike spent so much of recent episodes talking about how he loves Buffy, mm. right? He's like, I might not have a soul, but I love you, Buffy, and I, I'm here for you, and I want, I want to be in a relationship with you and date you. And she spurns him, rightly so. And so his reaction to that is to go to Warren 
and, and you know, King Incel of Sunnydale and say, I want you to make me a sex bot so that I can have sex with the image of Buffy because the real Buffy won't have me. That's not love, my dude. That's not if if you love and, and I'm always going to argue with myself here. I get it. People will often make mistakes, right? You can love somebody and still harm them because you're misguided. But in this case, I don't see that in Spike because all that he's doing is showing us that same streak of misogyny that we've seen since his introduction in School Heart. A woman told him no. A woman spurned him. And so what does he do? He decides that... You know, he's not going to take that no for an answer. And instead, he's going to go off and, like, replicate Buffy's image so that he can have sex with her without her consent, basically. And it's gross because if he did truly love Buffy and if he were truly kind of on this redemptive path like he claimed, he would know how wrong that is. He would know how sick that is. And he wouldn't do it. And in this case, he's demonstrating, unfortunately, what too many men demonstrate. And, and I want to make that point because there is a gendered aspect to what's going on here. You know, the overwhelming amount of non-consensual sexual images out there of adults is, you know, adult women. It, it, this is very much like a male power fantasy. And that's what Spike is embodying here. And that's what trips me up about this is, you know, this is the the ethics here is not, oh, he made a robot in Buffy's image. Like, I agree with you. That's fucked up. Mm -hmm. But the ethics here is he's saying my desire, my fantasy of Buffy matters more than me actually showing her that I'm worth her time. You know, he gave up so easily. And I think that that to me really cements the fact that regardless of what he believes he doesn't love buffy he might think he loves buffy I'm, I'm willing to believe that he believes he loves buffy but this is not how you show love and he doesn't understand that and i'm gonna argue something here because again i don't think this is about a soul or not i think i think the lack of a soul doesn't help i i think poet william back in the 1800s would have done this if he had access to a sex bot <laughs> i'm just gonna say that I, I think he was a, a baby incel back then. Yeah. I think, you know, if, if let's say, um, what's her face? Cecily? Cecily, yep. Cecily spurns him. Mm -hmm. Let's say he, he goes into a different alley and Drusilla never turns him. But he, instead he meets like the magic sex bot fairy of Victorian times. I think he'd sign himself up right I away. Agree. He'd be like, yep, make me a sex bot of Cecily. It, this is not about, oh, Spike is a soulless monster. It doesn't help. But at the end of the day, this is about him as a person, his personality. There is something rotten about him. And that is what we're seeing here. Yeah. And there's all the comments that we get of people saying Spike was always a better man in a human form than when he was a vampire, obviously. And what you're saying here is something I completely agree with. And I see it. Spike, I don't think, would do anything less than what we're seeing Warren do here. And to quote Warren from I Was Made to Love You. I deserve that, right? He believes that he deserves this type exactly. of affection from women. And if he can't get it, he builds it. And Spike right. was his first customer. <laughs> so they're both cut from the same cloth. 
in my opinion. Absolutely. Speaking of Spike, obviously, let's see what he's doing. He's hanging from the ceiling, looking incredibly bruised and beat up, and he's bleeding. And Glory is torturing him with a knife, and he's like, all right, I'll tell you who the sodding key is. Ooh. So the Scoobies are in the park that is outside Glory's apartment because Buffy says that Glory's key sniffing snake was <laughs> about here when she killed it. So it was heading back to her, obviously. So she must live around here. And I was like, aw, rest in peace, Demon Cobra. <laughs> the most tragic uh, figure in besides drag in this season. Giles is saying the Buffy bot is quite extraordinary. He's like examining it because he never saw April. Remember, Giles never saw the, the, the robot. So he's admiring this one. <laughs> what does Buffy bot say? We really should be listening to the other Buffy. Sorry. It's too funny. We really should be listening to the other Buffy. <laughs> I can't say it. She calls him Giles. <laughs> we really should be listening to the other Buffy, Giles. She's very smart, and she's going to help us save Spike. Okay, I laughed out loud I'm at, dead. at Giles' reaction because he goes, Giles, Spike didn't even bother to program my name Just properly. The, the, the level of jokes in this episode, the jokes, if I could say that. Yeah. It's just mm, like chef's kiss. Like somebody in the writer's room, right, was just like, and what if she calls him Giles? It's just like, I love it. Who came up with that? (laughs) So funny. And like just Giles would be so annoyed by that. So Buffy says, we're not going to save him. We're going to kill him. He knows who the key is and there's no way he's not telling Glory. So the Buffy bot says, you're right. He's evil. But you should see him naked. <laughs> and Buffy looks like she's going to puke at that. She's like, ugh. And, and, and the Buffy bot's like, really? <laughs> and it's just like, oh my god. Because, yeah, for a moment it's like, wait, yeah. Like, Buffy hasn't seen Spike naked that we know of. And it's like, not. I'm not saying that would change her mind about Spike. But it's like, that's a, you know, that's a really good point. Well, I think it's also a reminder to Buffy that, like, Spike created this to have sex with and to violate her body with because Buffy, he cannot violate Buffy's body. She's too strong. So this is Mm -hmm. why it's like, it's so rapey. It's so creepy. And I don't blame Buffy at all for being grossed out by that. So Buffy wants to split up and check out all the expensive buildings in the area. Um, She tells, she goes, Giles, I mean, Giles, (laughs) watch the Buffy bot, which is so funny. (laughs) (laughs) So Glory is giving Spike some water as, as to get him to talk. And then she breaks the glass on his face and he's looking close to death. And she's like, I'm tired of his games. And Spike says, okay, the key. It's that guy on TV. What's his name? The, the show, the price show where you guess what stuff costs. And the one minion says, the price is right. Bob Barker. We will bring you Bob Barker. We'll bring you the limp and beaten body of Bob Barker. <laughs> Can you imagine? That'd Poor be, Bob Barker. He didn't ask for any of this. That would be the best cameo if the show actually did that. Uh, so, Glory... Okay, but this is weird because Glory says it's not Bob Barker, you scabby morons, she calls them. She says the key is new to this world and Bob Barker is old as grit. The vampire's lying to me. And I was like, well, there's no reason it can't be Bob Barker, though. Like, right? There's, you change reality. Everybody Are you sees calling what him you want to see. Yeah, Bob Barker's the purest of them all. But Glory doesn't know reality has been changed, right? Uh, like, that's the yeah, whole point yeah. is 
That's why she told the minions, look for anybody new in Buffy's life. Okay, okay, okay. So Spike laughs at her and says, oh, this is fun. Guess what, bitch? I'm not telling you, Jack. You're never gonna get that sodding key and you might be strong, but in our world, you're an idiot. And Glory says, I'm a god. And God, and Spike says, the god of what? Bad home perms. And um, he's playing with his chains while he's doing this. So clearly he has a reason to want to rile her up. And Glory says, shut up. I command you to shut up. And Spike says, I had no idea that gods were such pransy lightweights. Mark my words, the Slayer's going to kick your skanky, lopsided ass back to whatever place it would take a cheap, whorish fashion victim ex-god like you. So I think here we're supposed to be cheering. We're supposed to be like, oh, yeah, Spike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I just want to point out that he called her bitch, whorish, and skanky <laughs> in this little speech. And you and I, we we've been doing it for two seasons now. The language that Spike uses toward women, even women that are evil. Yes, Glory is a is a villain. Mm -hmm. I don't like it coming from him, the sex spot creator. Yeah, well, but and this goes to a larger point, which is the uh, the pejoratives we use in our language are so gendered, right? Like when you want to insult a man, you insult his strength or his intelligence. When you want to insult a woman, you insult her by saying that she's either too promiscuous or that she's frigid and not promiscuous enough. And so, you know, our, our insults of women are inherently sexualized. And, and yes, I'm aware that there are exceptions. You know, yes, you can insult um, like a man's manhood or whatever. Right. Like the, the my point is, generally speaking, the the language that we use to insult women is much more sexualized than how we we put down men and so not only is that lazy writing to make to show oh somebody's a bad guy because of that but like it's it's just get more creative with your insults please <laughs> yeah so glory hits him so hard that his chain he's thrown from his chains he's into the hallway now um, and he's like, good job, Spike. And he starts to run away and the minions go after him, but he manages to like slide into the elevator and reach the bottom floor. When the minions meet him at the bottom of the floor, they're like, you do not insult glory by escaping. And that's when Buffy and Xander enter and the minions attack them. Buffy has a crossbow. I was like, Buffy, why? <laughs> so Buffy's starting to fight them and Xander's actually doing a pretty good job fighting them on his own as well. Giles and the Buffy bot show up. Giles goes to help Xander and the Buffy bot runs to Spike and then just like kind of stands there and takes in his appearance. And as Giles is being strangled by one of the minions, he calls for Buffy and the Buffy bot goes to help, but she gets hit really hard with uh, a weapon and we see like electrical currents around her. So something obviously short circuited and she falls to the ground. That's when Buffy takes out some more minions and then they, the rest of them run upstairs. So, the minions are explaining <laughs> what happened to Glory upstairs. And I'm like, why didn't Glory just go downstairs? You know, they're still down there. Um, but after all their excuses and stuff, Glory's like, and where's my vampire? And then they're like, uh, uh. And then we cut away and we just hear the minions screaming. So she took it out on them. All right, let's get to the magic shop where Willow ha is looking through the Buffy bots circuits on the table. And Tara asks Buffy if it's weird. Buffy's like, fuck yeah. Like, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> right? Right? Like, obviously it's weird, Tara. <laughs> why Why was that a question? Is this normal? <laughs> I feel nothing about this. Um, and Buffy says it's not even a good copy. And Will's like, yeah. <laughs> so Xander and Giles come in. And Buffy is asking if they dusted Spike. 
right? Did you kill him? And of course they didn't. It's a bad excuse once again, where Xander says, we dumped him back in the crypt. We try to find out what he told her, but he was too badly beaten to make any sense. Oh, well, kill him. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Anya says, even if he just told her, He'd lie to us anyway, right? And Buffy says, count on that. So just kill him. <laughs> kill the pervert. She says, I need to know now. If he did give us up, Dawn and I need to get out of town. She could be on our way right now. And Giles says, I'm sure we're all perfectly safe. You don't know that, Giles. Giles is so confident. Giles? Giles is so confident. And Dawn says, it's safe, right? And Spike built a robot, Buffy, to play checkers with. And she stares at Tara, who says, it, that sounded convincing when I thought of it. I, I mean, Dawn's old enough to know about sex, guys. Dawn should also be warned, right? This guy fucking violated your sister. So... You should be aware and stay away from them. So Willow says that she found out what happened with the Buffy bot, like why it broke. Just some wires were fried. She says it's an easy fix. And then she said, um, you know, not that I would. And oh, Xander was actually doing pretty good in this episode for me. And then he says, I feel bad for the guy gets all whooped and his toy gets taken away. Uh, Xander, Xander, Xander. Shut up, Xander. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Are you actually suggesting that you yes. give it back to him that he no, should but... have the bot back i am not surprised that xander sympathizes with this because this is consistent with his Neither character he sympathized with warren back in uh i i was made to love you he sympathized with those creepy creeps in some assembly required he's always like i see you from their side i get i get it Again, I feel bad for them because they can't have these Because he is a creep. Yes. Like, I know I was praising Xander recently where I'm like, oh, Xander's really changed. You know, he's really matured. And he has. But he's still just so incredibly problematic. It, you know, like, if you're trying to be a good ally in this situation, regardless of what you feel deep down, Xander, you should recognize, you should have the emotional intelligence. Your friend has just been violated. Maybe don't play the devil's advocate here and be like, but I see it from Spike's point of view. Fuck off, Xander. Shut up. And that's the thing. Buffy says, please don't be suggesting that I'd like to kill you for suggesting something like what I'd like to kill you for suggesting. And Xander denies it. And then he says, it's just the guy was so trashed. The guy got beat up so bad. And, and I feel bad for him. And that gives Buffy an idea. An awful idea. Buffy got a horrible, awful idea. That's from the Grinch. So Spike is looking worse for wear in the crypt, right? He does look pretty trashed. Uh, the Buffy bot enters, or does she? And she says, Spike, you're covered in sexy wounds. And Spike says... That phrase. <laughs> and Spike says... The way she says it. Yeah, I feel real sexy. And he sits up, obviously he's in pain. And he's like, uh, where you been? And the Buffy bot says... Willow fix me. She's gay. <laughs> and Spike says, I thought you'd melt. They'd melt you into scraps. And the Buffy bot just asks, like, why did you, why did you let Glory hurt you? And Spike says, she wanted to know who the key was. And the Buffy bot's like, okay, I'm going to go tell her. And Spike's like, no, you can't ever. Glory never finds out because Buffy, the other not so pleasant Buffy, anything happened to Dawn, it would destroy her. I couldn't live with her being in that much pain. I'd let Glory t kill me first. Nearly bloody did. And that's when the Buffy bot, a.k.a. Buffy, 
leans forward and gives Spike a very soft kiss on his mangled face. And Spike realizes it's Buffy. <gasps> it's Buffy. And Buffy turns to go. And then he says, and my robot. <laughs> <coughs> okay. And Buffy says, the robot's gone. The robot was gross and obscene. That thing, it wasn't even real. And as she leaves, she stops and she says, what you did for me and Don, that was real. And I won't forget it. So she leaves as Spike stares, cut to black. Oh, Kara. I wonder what that means. Kara, I am so conflicted about this ending. I kind of hate it. Okay. I don't get it. Tell me why. I don't like that Buffy kissed him. I don't like it. Okay. In a different episode, in a different context, I could potentially see myself getting on board. He did a, a solid for them, right? He let himself get mm -hmm. tortured. He almost died to protect their secret. So obviously he almost died for them. Buffy is like, okay, I take sympathy on you. Here's a small little kiss as a thank you. I get it. I get it. I get why people would be like, eh, I'm melting at that. He <laughs> built a sex bot of her and he had sex with that sex bot the day before multiple times. He objectifies her. In many different positions. Would you like to see the sketches? Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 so I, I don't like that she kissed him. I don't think he deserves that. And the only way that I can wrap my head around why Buffy would do this, because she does tell him the robot was gross and obscene, but for what another reason, she was moved that he did that for her and Dawn. Um, sure, you could feel both things at once. The only way I can see it is just that Buffy's still grieving. <laughs> Buffy is in a vulnerable place and she almost had to uproot her life to take her and Dawn away if Spike had actually said something to, to Glory. But he confirmed that he didn't. So I could just see in her relief state, in her vulnerable state, at the beginning of this episode, she was saying, we found a routine one minute's better than the other. I'm getting through it. But like, this is these are my problems right now. So a little bit of kindness. I get it. Ooh, it's just hard for me, Kara. It's just really hard. <laughs> Interesting. So you see the kiss as a reward. Yeah, I saw it as her being like, I guess, I guess, thank you for this. Okay. I see how you could see it that way. I, I think that's probably how we're, we're meant to see it. I see it a little bit differently. I see the kiss as a punishment for the Buffy bot because Buffy didn't have to infiltrate the crypt, right? She could have just like the Buffy bot could have just disappeared from Spike's life. Buffy came in as the Buffy bot partly to find out, you know, did Spike tell Glory anything? She could have dropped the charade at that point, but instead she gave him the kiss. And sure, you can see it as a reward, I think she was she was showing Spike what he can never have. Mm. You know? I love that. I love that way more. It's more about Buffy's agency in that way, right? And taking control. Yeah, she's saying, because like it. it's a very brief kiss, but he realizes right away that this is the real deal. That's what she's doing. She's saying, this is me kissing you, and this is what you're never going to have because of what you've done, right? And then at the end, when she says, that was real, I won't forget it, Again, I think a lot of people read into this, this idea that Buffy is leaving the door open even as she closes it on Spike. I don't see it that way. I see it as her saying, hey, uh, you crossed too many lines with me, right? Like, we're not going to have a relationship. But that doesn't mean that you can't be my ally, right? And I think what Buffy's getting at here is the very real truth that people are complicated. And it's not about people being all good or all bad. 
right? It, it, it's there are like people can do really bad things and really good things because we are messed up and complicated and contain multitudes. So that's what Buffy's acknowledging here, right? She's saying, Spike, you did something gross and obscene, and I, I can't reward you for that. But at the same time, you also helped my sister and me. And so, you know, you get to live another day, buddy. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's just hard because it, it just it, like that kiss, like it just can mean so many things. And when I read like I'm somebody who reads really hard into romance tropes and everything. So, again, like that's why I'm like terrified that she's like opening the door. Right. It's like when you just said um, you can do really good things. Right. You can help Buffy and Dawn and save their lives in a lot of ways. Stop them from having to uproot their life right after their mother died. And then on the other hand, in the very same episode, you fucking went over a boundary, a violation that is so dark and twisted and disgusting and perverted. Um, You can do both of those things in the same time in one episode. And that's what he did. And you and I talked about this in Fool for Love as well. We said abusers can be nice to their victims. Mm -hmm. Abusers are not abusers all the time. Spike was an abuser in this episode in, in the way that he's treating Buffy's image in the way that that mm-hmm. rape metaphor comes well, in with the Buffy bot. But he also did something good. Right. But even the whole idea that he's protecting uh, Don and Buffy's secret for his love of Buffy. My dude, <laughs> you should be protecting their secret because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Right. You want to call yourself a hero like Angel, right? Angel helps the helpless. Angel is Angel would sacrifice himself for a stranger that he doesn't know. Spike wouldn't do that. Right. That's the thing is he thinks he should get cookies for, oh, I didn't tell Glory your secret because I love you so much. No, if you were a good person, if you were a true hero, you would be uh, keeping the secret regardless of who the secret was about. And I also don't want to give Spike too many cookies for doing what he did either, because he says right here, I couldn't live with her being in that much pain. But you can live with her being in absolute disgust and uncomfortable with you using her image yeah. to have sex with? Yeah. So what <sighs> What in the world? Anyway. Who's your hero? <laughs> I picked Giles. I think Giles stepped up, took her on a little road trip. I mean, that was some skillful courts shaking right there. I, you know, it's so funny because I was so close to picking. I was like, nope, not Spike, not Spike. I was like, Xander? And I was like, nope, because his last comment pissed me off too much. <laughs> So I picked I picked Giles with his uh, hokey pokey dance. Definitely not any of the Scoobies. Definitely not Spike. Yeah. Uh, my hero is the Buffy bot because I think she's adorable. Like I said at the top of this episode, I really love the performance. She's an innocent in all of this, right? Um, we didn't really get into the personhood of the Buffy bot and whether she she's sentient. I don't really think she is. That's a whole other ethical can of worms. But she's a cool character. I'm really sorry that this is how we met her and that's why she was made. Yeah. But she did her best. She was a good bot. She followed her programming, right? Um, she dusted a vampire. Yeah. So, you know, she good for her. She fought the minions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know what? Good job, Buffy Bot. <laughs> you made the best out of a terrible situation. All right. Let us move on to our steaky steaks. So we have one hot steak this week from Bristol who says, how come in I Was Made to Love You, the Scoobies all knew very quickly that April was a robot, but they don't figure out that it's the Buffy bot until Buffy returns and tells them? Good question, Bristol. We also asked that. And uh, (laughs) if anybody else has any fun theories, please share your theories with us. Uh, Bristol goes on to say, 
Also, I read a fun fact somewhere that Nicholas Brendan was very sick during the filming of this episode, and so they actually used his twin brother to play Xander uh, in this episode. I tried to pay close attention to see if I could tell the difference, but I couldn't. The one scene where he looks slightly different was the fight scene at Glory's place, but that could have just been the stunt double I was noticing. I know identical twins uh, usually have slightly different voices, but I couldn't hear a difference at all, so either they somehow actually sound the same, or maybe they dubbed Nikki's voice in? Did you ladies notice anything? I noticed nothing. <laughs> Neither did I, yeah. but that's interesting. Um I, I'm not up on all kind of the trivia and stuff for Buffy, so I, I'm not sure uh, how accurate that story is or what the the, the real behind the scenes is. Um, but I thought I thought that was a cool hot stake to include because it's like, oh, like that's interesting if true. Yeah, and if anyone has more hot stakes about the cougar <laughs> cougar cast, uh, send them on in because that's what I was concentrating <laughs> on in this episode. <laughs> but thanks, Bristol. And just a reminder, everybody, that we are still recording on a <laughs> accelerated schedule. So you might have, I don't know when you're going to hear this. We'll probably be done. We'll probably already be done recording at this point. But still send us your hot stakes for season five because we will do a wrap up episode eventually where we'll include everybody's thoughts. And thank you to our Buy Me a Coffee supporters, especially our chosen ones. Emma, Taza, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Jace, Haley, and Tasha. Lizzie, Holly, Kayla, Jordan, Julian, Nicola, Luis, and Joshua. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week. Praise Moloch. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can't afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook prophecy underscore girls on twitter also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website prophecygirls.ca where you can find the link to our discord can't wait to hear from you praise malik see you next week